Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to remind you that we have a Twitter, we have an Instagram, and we have a Patreon in case you want to support us and get a subliminal shout-out. Most importantly, we have our hotline. Typically, we tell you a story, but you, we want you to tell us a story. So call us to Texas at the hotline, tell us your story, and enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> Goodbye, <everyone. laughs> Welcome back, Ford Explorers, to the S-Cat Spirit Hour. I, of course, am the Colonel. This is my son, Caleb. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're not, welcome back. We're happy to have you. This isn't Curtis Connor, though. We're not going to give you a second greeting. Uh, <laughs> folks. Uh, we laugh, but look at us do it. Uh, hopefully, you're well. Are you well, Caleb? I am. Yeah. I am. Had a good week. We uh, Before we get into the the ghost report, I suppose I could just ask if you had a normal week. I did. I had a pretty normal week. Uh, Happy Keister and Passover and was Ramadan. it Ramadan for all everybody? Three. Yeah. All three were on the same weekend this weekend, which means all atheists got a minus two to all stats. <laughs> um, no, it was a good week. Um, I'm sure, as I've heard from a lot of people that I know that live across the U.S. of A, the weather's been fucking weird. Yeah, it's been very up and down. I mean, I just, at this point, I, I welcome it. Not... As if I'm happy about it, but I just, we're fucked, man. Everything's yeah. going to be weird until we die. Yeah, it's like uh, talking to some of the people that have come into the bar. They're like, oh, yeah, we're from Iowa, and it was snowing when we left. And I was like, wait two days. It'll probably snow here. Well, in all fairness, they're from Iowa, so they probably came on a wagon. Yeah. You know, so it took a couple weeks. They're like, we left mid-February. We're just now getting here. Well, speaking of that bar, uh, it happens to be quite haunted. And before we get into the theft of Masterpiece the Poodle, the headline story for today, we're going to do what we always do, and we're going to get into the ghost report. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, the ghost report is where Caleb uh, clues us in on how the week at work has been, because I happen to hone, or hone, listen to me, I happen to own a little haunted bar in our downtown area. is about to say where it was. I mean, I've said it before, but if you want to know where we are, listen to every podcast episode. You can slowly piece it together. It's a trick. It's a trick. Or just look at our social media because you'll see it there. Um, but yeah, so the bar is quite haunted and uh, I don't have to work there every day, but I do own the place and I get to hear Caleb tell me the story. So every week we like to check in on the haunted happenings of our little bar. Caleb, would you like to hit him with a ghost report? Yeah. So this week I had one instance, like I, there were a ton of things that happened. I'll cover them all. But one instance really just kind of freaked me out, okay. which isn't something that really happens to me a lot when it yeah. comes to ghosts. Yeah, you're definitely, uh, this won't turn into too large of a segment, but it's about ghosts, so hopefully people like it. Um, I will say that you are, you don't really get shook by the ghosts. You're pretty familiar with them. Anybody who has any familiarity with the ghost report has probably heard us talk about how one of the ghosts, the female ghost, seems to have it, um, maybe a crush on you. Yeah, or something have the like that. For you. It's, uh, it's even gotten a joke. I, uh, the person that I, I've been talking to for a while, I talked to her about the ghost report, and she's like, that ghost wants to kiss you. <laughs> See, I agree. The ghost, I think that ghost wants to kiss you. She wants to give you a big old smoochie. Um, but it's like my personal life, like all throughout the years of me growing up, I've been around ghosts. Like growing up, I used to sit in the basement and talk to what was supposedly the ghost of an old lady that died in that house a couple owners before we lived there. Okay. Like confirmed by our real estate agent that someone had died there. Confirmed kill. Uh <laughs> Uh, good good soldiers follow orders. Um, and, like, a large majority of my family believes in ghosts, too. My grandma just told me a story this weekend about how she lived in a house and there was a, a guy who died from lung cancer in their house. Oh. And at night she could hear him coughing. And there was a lady that lived, uh, a ghost that lived in her house that was, like, really upset all the time and would throw stuff around. And they found out that uh, she... That lady that lived there killed herself because her husband cheated on her. Huh. And my grandma said out loud once that, like, I know that you're mad that your husband cheated on you. And the ghost, like, they never had an issue with the ghost ever again. Wow. Like, once she confronted it and found out the reason that the ghost was so angry, it it's, just it's left of, it alone. It's kind of embarrassing. So what happened at the bar this week? Well, so lights changed <laughs> as normal. Um, if you're... This is your first ghost report. 
We have LED lights all throughout the bar. Then before you leave a comment, I have changed out the bulbs. I've changed out the strings. I've changed them all out. Um, we'll have single ones change color. But whenever I show up to work, the back section, it's where my kitchen is, it's where I spend the most time, uh, we'll just rapidly change colors. And it's become a joke that our opening bartender knows when I pull in the driveway because the lights start changing. So that happened. Some of the single lights turned blue as well, um, which even our bar manager, who's very scientific and logical, is starting to turn and been like, oh, the ghosts. <laughs> he said it the other day, which was fun. But the one that really got me scared was I was in the bathroom. And the way the bathrooms are set up, we've talked about them before, there's fogged glass. Uh, and so that way, when the light's on on the inside, it shines against the glass, makes them purple so you can tell someone's in the bathroom. Yeah, they're like spooky little cabins. Well, I was inside the bathroom, and there is a there was a silhouette in that window. Like someone was waiting to use the bathroom, and the door handle was jiggling. Ooh. Well, I was drying my hands as it happened, so I was right by the door. So I threw away my paper towels, unlocked the door, and opened it. As it was still jiggling, no one there. Ooh! Yep. And that's one where I was like, all right, this is starting to freak me out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that one's worth it. That's definitely, that's worth the price of admission right there. That's scary, man. Yeah. That's really scary. Shaking at the handle and shit. Mm -hmm. No thanks. That's a big pass for me. Yeah, and I didn't talk about it last week, but with that same bathroom. Occupied, occupied. <laughs> with that same bathroom, uh, last week, that should have been in last week's uh, report, the door closed, like, latched itself. Oh. Which those doors, if they're not latched, they have a tendency to creep open, not close. Yeah, it's the opposite. Well, because they hang at the, you know, the bathrooms all sit at a very slight, uh, like, backward-facing angle because mm -hmm. the building, you know, it's an old foundation, so it's sort of set like that. So <clears throat> the doors being on the front are actually, yeah, they're usually encouraged to open because they sit against that angle, so the gravity will pull them open a little yep. bit. And two weeks ago, it actually went and closed itself. I heard it latch. Which oh. I didn't talk about last time. Yeah, and I should also say that I hung those doors, and I can say that while they're aligned well enough to close, they aren't really, I mean, they, at this point, they've been used so much that they need a little umph to get closed. Yeah. So it wouldn't, it's not a brand new door that wouldn't just slide closed real easy. Mm -hmm. Well, that is proper scary. Yeah. Well, or I guess not scary, spooky. Spooky's a better yeah. word for it, because, you know. Startling. Yeah, spooky to me is sort of just like, you know, it's, um, it's not necessarily scary or bad, or there's no, like, Big, scary, negative vibes I get from it. It's just it has to do with, like, a spooky thing. Like, yeah. ghosts, graveyard shit, Halloween shit. Yeah, it's just, it, it caught me off guard. But Yeah, well, that's a good one. That's a that's a proper scary one. Well, as I say at the end of this every week, if there's anybody listening to us that has an interest in coming and investigating the bar, if you're an amateur ghost hunter or a professional, for that matter, you want to come take a look at it, I can promise you nobody has. It's a space that hasn't been looked at in a number of years. When we took it over, it had been left by the wayside for decades. So mm -hmm. it's definitely a cool space. But. Uh, with that said, I say we get into Masterpiece. Yes. The main story today. Uh, for those who have been with us, I guess, almost two years. Dang, almost two years now. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this a while. Well, I guess, you know, a year and a half. A year and a half about. Still, we're coming up on episode 69, with, which we're both very excited about. Um, but you maybe remember sh the story of Shergar the horse. Yes. Shergar the horse was a horse that the IRA stole, tried to steal. I won't spoil it too much. You should really go listen to that episode. I'll leave a link in the bio, but uh, it's definitely worth it because it, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good companion piece to this story because there's sort of two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. So with Shergar, the IRA tried to steal this horse to ransom it uh, because that makes a lot of sense. You steal a thing to ransom it, especially if you needed to raise money to buy illicit things like guns uh, when you couldn't. And today we're talking about a slightly less illicit story, or at least allegedly. I mean, today's story is going to be less about history and more about what could have happened mm -hmm. because it's such an open-ended story and there are a lot of there are a lot of possibilities, more so than usually. When a person goes missing, I think it's... Um, it sounds crazy, but I think it's easier to like figure out where they went. Yeah. They leave a more visible trail. You can communicate with them easier. You think like a human. When an animal goes missing, we all go into sort of a panic, right? Like you put up posters, you mm -hmm. do the whole thing. We've all been there. It's like the most soul crushing thing. We'll be driving down the street sometimes and I'll see a lost cat poster and I just, it just breaks my heart. You know, it's a very sad thing. And it's because it's really hard to get an animal to come back, you know, once a, if an animal has run off and it doesn't have an interest in coming back, that can be very difficult. Um, and animals will sort of take off for other reasons too, that we'll get into later in the podcast. But, uh, the story of a missing animal to me is a slightly more interesting one. It's also one that requires a lot uh, more haste. You got to work a lot faster. Yep. Yeah. When an animal goes missing that, you know, we can talk about how 
a person has been missing for 10 years, 20 years. You know, when we talked, what we talked about last year, or last year, listen to me, last week when we talked about John Rufo uh, and we talked about how he's still in the wind somewhere, you know, a missing human makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Because we create the world with, with which we go missing from. Mm-hmm. When an animal goes missing from the world, it's, you know, it kind of goes back into the wild world somewhere. You know, like, it goes into places that humans are less comfortable and we don't have as much control. Yep. So the story of Masterpiece to me is an interesting one because I think on the tail end, there's, <laughs> the tail end, listen to me, uh, <laughs> on the tail end of it, there's a lot more room for uh, sort of guessing and trying to figure out what might have happened. But yeah, so today we are talking about the theft of Masterpiece the Poodle. Uh, Pulaski, specifically, uh, birth name Pulaski's masterpiece. But Pulaski's Caleb, masterpiece. yeah, Caleb's going to get into that in just a second as he gets into the history, all this. Uh, but masterpiece was a was a very important dog, a, a huge trendsetter, uh, and one day just went missing. And Caleb's going to get into that. But as we always do on the show, before we get into what happened, we like to get into who did the doing. So I guess we'll probably start with uh, with the poodle snatching, huh? Yes. Yeah, so uh, imagine yourself. We're going to travel back in time here. It is February of 1953. It's next to the phone bit. I love the phone bit, and I love when we travel back in time. Don't worry, I'll do both. (laughs) We shoot on this old fucking, in case anybody's ever wondered, this is not necessary. We've brought it up a couple times, kind of. But we shoot on this old camera. We've had people with the new show be like, why don't you shoot them on the same camera? This is shot on an old haunted camera. That's why we shoot it on this camera. This camera is allegedly haunted, and we figured what better thing to shoot a podcast on yeah. than an old haunted <laughs> camera. So we got it to work. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. So imagine, if you will, the year is 1953. You are in New York City, and you are a New York City police officer. I this All of this <laughs> purely exists within the imagination. You are sitting at the precinct when you get a call that says you need to go down to Manhattan. Break up a crowd. Yes. So, you put on your uniform, you Why get into there, your squad car. Are there people chanting for their rights? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you get down to Manhattan where you see a huge crowd of people pushing their way into this small Manhattan shop. So, it's 1953. Was this the Beatles? It is not. You okay. finally push your way through. You push people back. You said, hey, you need to calm down to where you turn around and you see this small Manhattan shop window sitting inside. A silver gray toy poodle set upon a red velvet box. That is what this crowd of people is going to look for. That was Masterpiece, the famous toy poodle. A living painting Masterpiece. He was. He was the result of one man's obsession with creating the perfect pooch. And at the time was dubbed the most valuable dog in the world. It's worth pointing out, too, that, you know, this is relatively late into dog breeding. Like, Dog breeding really started, as far as I know, feel free to correct me in the comments, but in Victorian England, like when eugenics became a popular thing, they also, hobbyists would then apply that beyond ugly ass theories like phrenology and all that bullshit. They would uh, instead apply it to small animals and they started, you know, genetically modifying animals to get them to look a certain way. Um, And that is, as far as I know, sort of the history of of dog breeds. So the idea to me, I, I say that because... Um, the poodle being introduced so late in mm-hmm. dog breeding surprised me. Yeah, so uh, at this time, the most popular dog in the world, uh, I know that I said this is the most valuable dog in the world, the most popular dog in the world wasn't a poodle at all. Well, uh, Elon Musk has more money than The Rock, you know? <laughs> and if like the world <laughs> has a favorite poodle, it's The Rock. Yes. Uh, the most famous dog at the wor- uh, in the world at the time was the Labrador. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Labrador retrieval, uh, retrieval. (laughs) That's my favorite football move. The Labrador retriever. Um, no, the Labrador retriever was the most popular dog. Cause when you think of that, like atomic family, this is the fifth. Oh, it's a golden retriever. It's a golden retriever. Yeah. Or like a golden lab or, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's a blonde dog. It's a, you know, like it's a blonde haired blue eyed dog. (laughs) It's so disgustingly Aryan that even it's dog is blonde. It's uh, a husband, a wife, Two and a half kids, as the atomic family thing states, and one and blonde, a dog. blue-eyed, blue-eyed white dragon. <laughs> so, masterpiece's rise of fame was due to a man named as Alexei Platsky. Yep, uh, he was born in Russia in 1895, and little was known about his early life um, because he was kind of a 
not important person until <laughs> yeah <laughs> damn that's brutal <laughs> well i say that um you know why nobody doesn't like that sounds like something his mother said to him to scar him as a you child. know why no one knows about you because you're not an important person no so what we can tell uh through documents and everything like that pulaski served in the imperial russian army until the 1917 communist revolution was he an inquisitor he was he was a grand inquisitor <laughs> he was he was actually a shock trooper um <laughs> Uh, just like Han Solo. So, that's just way Why too not? nerdy. All six other people that enjoy Solo like that joke. Well, uh, all six of those people do listen to this podcast. I know, that's yeah. true. <laughs> so, uh, Pulaski served in the Imperial Russian Army until the Communist Re- Revolution in 1917, which he fled the country with most like much of Russia's upper class. Yeah, he got the fuck out of Dodge because he was like, <laughs> oh, they're coming for our heads. I saw a report, this will be on our new show, of course, but I saw a report where LAPD, you got to take this with a tremendous grain of salt, is claiming that uh, gangs are targeting the rich and famous. And it's like, yeah, you know, shit, what an odd, it's how it just took a really long time for that to happen. New LAPD report, robbers like people who have stuff. Yeah, <laughs> people <laughs> rob more banks than old women. Like, Yeah, no shit. So he arrived, he arrived in the United States in 1925 uh, claiming to be a count. Love that. Uh, Love that. What's it? What do you, I guess we probably, that's probably one of those like shysty YouTube sponsors, you know, the like be a lord yeah. shit that, as a colonel, that offends me because you had, I'm a real colonel. I had to actually earn that. That's a real thing. That's a, You can't just buy a fake piece of land and be like, you have to call me Lord. Well, nobody's going to. Yeah. Because that's a silly-ass title. You've also, made you up. don't reside over anyone. Yeah, um, if you, like, if you earned it, I would call you, well, I probably wouldn't call anybody Lord. But, uh, you know, if you earn the title, I'll call you your silly title. I ask people to do that with me. It's just that that's not really an earned title. It sounds like a, yeah, like a YouTube sponsor. Spend $25 and you get to be a count. Well, as it proves, a lot of historians have tried to track at, uh, his family lineage, his patents, if you will. Um, <laughs> to, to, I'm pretty sure it was a self-made title. Good, good. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder how many times in history, here's a here's the riddle for this week, how many times in history has a count actually been legally, officially a count? Like, yeah. has it ever mattered? Has there ever been a real one? Or is it always a made-up bullshit title? Well, I think count and countess are one of those things where, like, if you're a friend of the family, they just kind of grant it to you. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, even Duke and Duchess, that's a those are positions. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're still presiding over people, but I'm pretty sure Count. Like you just have to have a fancy house, and they're like, "I'm Count Dracula. Look at Count Dracula." They go fucking. <laughs> we need Moon Knight on the case. There's a really <laughs> deep nerd cut. If you know that one, you you can be with us forever. Dracula, where are you, you big nerd? You owe me fucking money. Where's my so, fucking money? So uh, Pulaski comes to uh, America in 1925. He's a tall man with silver hair and an even silverer tongue. <laughs> he looks like an old Andy Dick. He's just like going around telling people that he does cool things, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, no, you're right. You're a very persuasive man." It was probably a good time for that, you know, because like we love to tell in America cinema and pop culture, we like to talk about the immigrant perspective, you know, mm-hmm. just like this bootstrap bullshit story. But it was probably pretty fun to be like relatively wealthy from another country coming to America at that point where you could totally bullshit about this yeah. stuff. Yeah, man, I bet those nights we're both bar guys. So you think about like the way you get to spend your social equity at the bar. But oh, if 100%. you were a super fucking rich dude with a weird accent in the 1930s in America, people were probably like, well, hello. And <laughs> unless, of course, over the case of those 30s, that was a German accent. Yeah. Or- <laughs> or a Hungarian accent or Japanese a Japanese accent. Yeah, a Russian accent. Um, so you saying that just reminded me the other night we had a guy with an Irish accent talking to two young, like younger girls while his wife sat in a booth, very pissed off. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was a very sp- uh, persuasive person. And when he lived in Russia, he bred uh, Doberman, Pin- Doberman Pinchers. Oh. Uh, those shitty rat dogs. Yeah, shitty little rat dogs. <laughs> uh, but. In 1939, he dog sat a, a friend's poodles. Doberman pictures look like, you know, the the sketching. Uh, what am I even trying to think of? Like, the the, t- the little training thing you do where you draw something with one line. Oh, yeah. That's what a Doberman pincher looks like. It looks like it was drawn with one line. Exercise. I got there, guys. I got to exercise. I Doberman pinchers make me think of, like, the cigarette moms. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're the Virginia slim ultralights of dogs. Yeah, just like fake tan and real heavy, like purple eye makeup. It makes me think chain of great, smoking a great hounds too. Yeah. Sweatpants. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, Doberman's. <laughs> juicy sweatpants, juicy couture sweatpants. So he starts dog sitting a friend's poodle in 1939, and he's like, oh, fuck Doberman Pinchers. These are the dogs. You know, it's funny <laughs> that we say that too, because I feel like one of the most popular breeds you see now are Labradoodles. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just the combination of this. This is the modern. We're telling you the base of the Labradoodle. This is why it happened. Listen, everybody. <laughs> so he said, "This is the dog of the future. These. This is the dog that everyone's gonna want. At least half of it." So what he did, what he did was rented out former Manhattan Speakeasy, which isn't saying much because it was probably any available well, spot yeah, in Manhattan. I, I think during the peak of Prohibition, <laughs> there were a few thousand Speaks. I, I mean, this is not the time or place to have this conversation, but just so everybody knows. And I am an actual authority on this. Uh, speakeasies never happened. They weren't like fun, you know, Baz Luhrmann videos. That's not what they were. They were usually whorehouses that might have a bottle of rum or more likely Canadian rye whiskey. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Not nearly as glamorous. So it's really easy to have 2,000 of them in a city because it wasn't a bunch of like bustling, fun little jazz bars. It was a bunch of very dark, very creepy rooms where there was one person who might sleep with you and also give you some rum while you're at it. And yeah. So now just most Manhattan apartments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> That's how I would describe every apartment I've ever had in New York. In fact, yeah. So he rents out this building and he opens Poodles Incorporated, <laughs> uh, which provided grooming, boarding, the- and accessories exclusively. For his new favorite breed, poodles. Out of the back of this former prohibition suck and fuck, you know. Now it's which now we make poodles. I think it's so There's funny. Still a lot of jizz involved, but <laughs> because we talk about like the gentrification of New York yeah. and the New York boroughs and stuff like that. How is this different? This dude in 39 was like... For real, yeah, people bitch about hipsters and stuff, and they're like, oh, well, they came into town, and now they have their stupid little candle store. Or their stu- This was in 1930, and this motherfucker opened a store of just poodles. Just, just poodle it shit. It wasn't even a breed that people really knew anything about, and he was, like, becoming the king of it. And he was like, no, this is poodles.com here. This is what we're dealing with. And that, yeah, that doesn't make it... That, that should make people... Also, another stupid kernel fun fact. Uh, hipster is... Or the word hippie is short for hipster. That's what it means. That's they're the same word. That I the hipsters to decry hipsters is a way to age yourself, obviously. Like if you sit around and you're like, Oh, these young creative people, what will they think of next? And you say that in earnest, upsettingly, go, just get you you know, go to Sun City, go to some retirement community, you've given up. But yeah, like hipsters have always been around. And these people have always been around. And it's a hilarious it makes you wonder what else was there like a monocle store next door? Like what were the other was there just an apple store where they just sold apples? <laughs> He's like Oh, there's some crotchety old guy who's lived in Manhattan since 1850. And he's like, like, these fucking people are coming in, ruining the neighborhood. We got fucking Poodles Inc. And we've got Sir Thomas's haberdashery (laughs) that just sells silk ties. And then we got this guy over here that's just selling fucking hubcaps for Model Ts. And before we know it, they're going to stop letting us puke and shit in the street. And they're going to put in cobblestone. And I don't want to be here when that happens. That's not my new Amsterdam. They, they, they're going to start ripping up the pavement and putting cobblestone back. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, honestly, I kind of wish that'd be nice. So in addition to uh, grooming poodles, telling them Damn, they're super started, mature for their age. We started at grooming poodles. Yeah, keep going. Um, he was like, hey, you guys are real mature for your age. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to listen to my band? Um, you like, you guys like pop punk? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was making a James Charles joke, and you were making a Machine Gun Kelly joke, which you actually kind of can't, because while he's very immature, his wife is his age, which yeah. is the most surprising thing about that guy. It's like, wait, she's not 19? He's like, no, no, isn't that weird? She thinks she's 19. She yeah. acts like she's 19. She's got, and she's got weird fucked up things, much like poodles. She's got weird fucked up issues through breeding. She's got those thumb fingers. There's no thumbs. Dude, <laughs> you can't thumb shit making fuck. So, uh, Pletsky, uh became obsessed with winning dog shows. <laughs> He's like, yeah, have you guys seen these fucking poodles? They're sick. I own a store about them. Started entering dog shows and really weren't winning that many. It really feels like a Tesla guy, you know? Like, he went so, down to the local not yet a Starbucks and he was like, oh, that's your dog? Have you seen a poodle? Do you know what a poodle is? Mine, My poodle's very expensive and much faster than your dog. So in 1946, a silver gray puppy captured his attention and he said, this is the most important thing in the world right now. 
Uh, you, you little <laughs> motherfucker. I mean, I've been there, man. And especially with like animals. I yeah, I know. But sometimes you're just like you. Okay, yeah, I'll stop the world for you. You're cool. Oh, I was just making a joke that it was the end of World War II, and this guy, the only thing he fucking cares about is this tiny silver gray dog. It's like, uh, you know, the when the sailor's coming home and he's kissing the woman in the street, that photo? It was him and he's this just dog. Holding his little toy like, poodle. Uh, Masterpiece, you are my favorite. I think that. are like, war is over if you want it. And he's like, poodles. Ah! I, I think that really shows a, a class disconnect is all this shit is happening. <laughs> In the height of World War II. And it's like, oh, how you been? Oh, my son just got fucking murdered in the war. How you been? Ah, well, I'm kind of out with Doberman Pinchers, and I think I'm in with poodles now, so. (laughs) It'd be like during a recession, meeting up with one of your hipster friends, and he's like, you know, I just don't think I'm going to do denim anymore. What the fuck? Nobody has a job, like, during COVID. It's it's 2008, and you meet up with your buddy, and you're like, how you been, man? It's like, oh, I don't know, man. I just lost my house. So did my parents. How have you been? I don't know. Tweed doesn't seem to be in this year. (laughs) Get your boodle problems the fuck out of here. Anyways, yeah, my parents had to sell two of their houses, but at least we got three more. And it's like, oh, that's right. I fucking hate you, dude. I'm sorry. (laughs) So he picks up this silver gray puppy. He's like, this is it. Most important thing in the world at this moment, 1946. Um, He's like, this is going to change dog competitions forever. <laughs> maybe it was like, maybe he was uh, reconciling the fact that, like, he was like, maybe he's very excited about the war ending. You know, he was a Russian immigrant and he was like, all right, the war is over. And then the Cold War just immediately <laughs> continued and he was like, I'm just going to focus on fucking dogs. Like, oh, like, like the no, day. don't focus on fucking dogs. Don't do that. <laughs> no, he focuses on dogs fucking. Okay. It's yeah, yeah. It's definitely not weird at all. So he said, this poodle could be the first toy dog to win the trifecta. That being <laughs> obedience. Like, Sir, that thing's alive. <laughs> he's in obedience. Yeah, he's like waving it around. <laughs> this dog right here. And they're like, dude, stop. Put it down. It's not a toy. Uh, the trifecta being, of course, obedience, utility, and championship. How? <laughs> <laughs> those are those, I think those are the three goals in Lego Batman as well. <laughs> how well the dog listens, obedience. How well the dog performs tasks, utility, and how good that dog looks, championship. <laughs> Although that one's called championship. <laughs> yep, that's brutal. So after only eight weeks You're of too training, fat to be a champion, you scar-faced little weasel. After eight weeks of training, he registered with the American Kennel Club. That's my daily affirmation, by the way. <laughs> You too fat to win a championship. <laughs> you scar-faced little weasel. Uh, he in, he registers the poodle at the American Kennel Club, which is the thing you're supposed to register dogs for if you want to compete them. Why are dogs? Why are purebred dogs treated so much like guns? You know, because you it's usually the same people that are into them. You gotta register them. <laughs> it's not a toy. <laughs> no, this one was. <laughs> yeah, they've said that before, and it doesn't ever work out. And after something tragic happens, people rush to buy them. <laughs> so, Could you imagine if after a charity or after a charity, listen to me, that's how fucked up our brains are now. That's the first thing you think of is just the charity that's going to come up afterwards. But after a tragedy, you just ran out and bought a poodle. Like, well, I don't know. I just bought a poodle. I feel better now. Well, the next time something like this happens, I'll be prepared. <laughs> just point, just I know several of our listeners that are going to hear the sentence and be like, well, I mean. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we have a close friend who yeah, the world Oreo shut down, and yeah. two days later, he was like, <laughs> I got well, help dog. me buy a dog. <laughs> so he registers this dog as Pulaski's masterpiece. <laughs> Dude, that's beautiful. What a fucking vein. You're so vain, you probably think this dog is about you. <laughs> so when Masterpiece was one years old, Count Pulaski showed him at the Westminster Dog Show, the most prestigious dog show. It's the one he's a count, Caleb. He's not going to take him down to the Circle K or the Wawa to walk him around a cakewalk. Uh, Most people, or many people, I should say, probably know the Westminster Dog Show. You can't say many people. (laughs) That's not even remotely appropriate. So little small people. uh, (laughs) Many people would be probably terrified of a dog show. They're so much bigger. The Uh, the West really puts the Great and Great Dane. If I was breeding and running a Great Dane in a show, I would have a dwarf do it for me. You know, just so that they look. Look how big that fucking dog is. It's it's wildly inappropriate, but still very funny because in D&D lore, we're going to just keep doing nerd deep cuts. Uh, Dwarves ride mastiffs. Fuck devils on horseback. <laughs> Give me dwarves on mastiffs. <laughs> um, 
So, he enters Masterpiece into the Westminster Dog Show, the most prestigious show of the year, and Masterpiece didn't even come close to winning. <laughs> oh, damn, man. Did he place? Did he, even... he didn't, but he did gain some attention. Yeah, um, for sucking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess all press is good press. Well, it's because Pulaski would continue to enter Masterpiece into competitions, but he made it a point to say that dogs should be primarily be bred to be members of the family. So, he's quoted as saying, quote, the word pet. Yeah, dude, what does he mean by that? Does he mean like. I got here. The word pet is used in a derogatory sense by show breeders, but the poodle should be bred primarily as a pet for temperament, willingness to please, and a radiation of charm. He said that poodles are originally a hunting and retrieving dog that were used for duck hunts, but the show dog should silhouette the idea that poodles were actually born for practical things, but are loving creatures. That's a lot of show people are like pets derogatory. Like because an animal has a, a purpose? No, well, they... That's yeah. weird to me because like I grew up with animals that did have a purpose. Yeah. And they were pets. Yeah. Yeah, like a ranch dog is a... That's, I don't know, it's one of the dogs. That's um, a weird way to look at it. I guess I haven't... I need to take a deeper analysis into this guy's well, point of view. Uh, a lot of people will say like, you know, the, a lot of things that you do for show dogs, especially poodles, come from them being these workhorse pets or workhorse dogs, work dogs. Oh, I don't know why I'm saying workhorse dogs. Uh, so like trimming the legs, how they're big and scruffy, but their legs are trimmed. That came from swimming, them being easier and more quickly to swim and tying a ribbon on their tail was to follow them through fields. Okay. When they went to go pick up the ducks. So a lot of things that come from show come from utility, but he was like, why can't a dog's utility just be part of the family? Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so that's, that's... I guess I should have taken into consideration that this was a time when dogs were used a lot more still for hunting yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. And also, he comes from very high society where the way that they treat animals is probably, like, you know, for fox hunts or shit mm -hmm. like that. I just... None of those big, beautiful mansions had a dog laying on the couch. Yeah, you know? yeah. There was a lot of time they would be in, like, the stables and a kennel, not in the house. Like, yeah. bloodhounds and stuff like that. And he was like, "What's wrong with a dog being a pet?" Okay, well, that part I that I fuck with because yeah. he's yeah. I I mean that. What's funny about that is we joke a lot that people because of the type of show that we have, people will ask us like, "Okay, well, who do you think God is, or who do you think?" And it's cats. The answer is cats. Yeah. I think cats control us. If, Anybody who's ever had one, I think the animosity that some people have towards cats is just indicative of like, uh, like a subconscious understanding that they own us. Well, just look at I like, fucking hate cats. Why? Because they just look at you like, yeah, because they know. Well, I mean, if you look at a bunch of old gods, like Egyptian gods, you have yeah. Basque, you have Anubis, which is a jackal, which is scientifically speaking closer to a cat than it is a dog. That's true. That's true. Um, you have a lot of cat imagery in. Uh, Egyptology. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I mean, I just think cats, like, basically, as long as they've been around, you know, you always see that meme of, like, do they still take care of us? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And cats have been sacred for a very long time. And I think that's telling. So, uh, but, yeah. Sorry. Go back to the point. Uh, Masterpiece competed in a bunch of regional shows, eventually achieving Pulaski's dream of winning the trifecta. I like the idea of working the local circuit. <laughs> and he decided that his prize dog is destined for more. He's not just, he's not just a cute face, you know? This feels like the that would be the plot to the sequel of uh, Best in Show. Yeah. Uh, so what he did is he started hosting cocktail parties nice. with exclusive guests from all around the world who would come to be entertained by Masterpiece tricks. One of these tricks is they would surround Masterpiece in a room and they just start beating the fuck out. <laughs> no. Wait, wait, did the guy who was like, dogs should be able to just be pets? Yeah. Would make his dog perform every night for, well, not every night, you know, but on a regular basis for house guests? Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and let the <laughs> the viewers and listeners at home point out that hypocrisy on their own, but there's a bunch. So uh, his most famous act was Pulaski would have everyone gather around Masterpiece. And he would tuck his balls between his legs. <laughs> he said, do you want to fuck me? I want to fuck. No, he would say, Masterpiece, you communist? To which Masterpiece would vigorously shake his head no. <laughs> do you think that's because, like, that was his most famous trick, but do you think that stemmed from an argument they got into one night where, like, Masterpiece tried to steal food off of Pulaski's plate, and he was like, don't you ever fucking take my plate. We earn our keep. We don't share around here, okay? 
what do you think we are? You think we're fucking communists? Do you think we're fucking? Co- are you a communist? And he's like, the dog's like, he's like hitting the dog, and the dog's like, no, I'm not a communist. So every night, what we didn't realize is that he's well, we didn't realize like we were right there watching this happen. What his friends didn't realize is that they were actually watching the like reanimation of this trauma and this dog. Are you a communist? He's, oh, he's I'm like, not no. a communist. So as masterpieces' fame skyrocketed, so did his lifestyle. Uh, Pulaski starts pulling out all like. Holds no bard. One of those stops, pull him out. He said, uh, a former Bronx zoo lion trainer was hired to teach him tricks. Do you think that dude was like, I don't know what the fuck to teach a poodle. I'm a lion. He's like, fuck, I killed Master. He's doing the chair thing and the dog's like, I'm a communist. He accumulated an entourage of a beautician, a bodyguard, and a professional traveling companion. Which, imagine, what's your job? Oh, I gotta. I'm paid to hang out with a poodle while he waits for his airplane. <laughs> yeah, depending on your temperament, that's either the perfect job or the worst job. I could fuck with that job if my job was just because that's being a nanny for like, like that's never that's it. Yeah, it's like a nanny for a toddler that's gonna be a toddler till it dies. Yeah, that's a dog. I could hang out with a dog. Plus, dogs are cooler than humans. Yeah, I can hang out with a dog all day. That'd be easy. Being the bodyguard's fucking sick, dude. What a fun job that is. Like, you get to be this big tough guy. Like, <laughs> it's like, what do you guard? The world's most expensive dog. Uh, it's adorable. Blatsky also uh, had a custom carrying case designed. That looked like a giant picture frame on all four sides with masterpiece, masterpiece in the middle. baby. Yep. I actually like that. And at home, the nine-inch, eight-pound dog often rested on a green velvet canopy bed. Hell yes. This dog had it made, man. He did. Um, the Masterpiece, like you said, earned his keep, though. He got paid $11,000 a year for breeding and studying. Uh, being oh, a, yeah. And... Modeling as well. <laughs> Prolific little stud muffin. So At least uh, somebody was getting laid in that house. Um, Pulaski even insisted that his dog would shake his head at a suggestion of mating for less than $500. Okay. So, so he starts pimping this dog out. <laughs> yeah, and also his dog shakes his head. That's a funny visual, but the idea that his dog... This dude is so comfortable talking about his dog fucking. And, like, dogs fucking and... Animal breeding is really weird to me. I understand some of it, definitely, and I grew up in an agricultural family, so I get part of it. But, like, the people, it feels like the people who obsess over dog breeds and stuff are far too comfortable talking about dog jizz and shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, it's too much fucking, it's too much, like, it's weird. It's it's a, it's a an uncomfortable idea to me. I don't know. It's just, to make it, like, your job and your hobby to be a dog pimp. Yeah. I understand that people are, like, you know, it's well, different. Yeah, because it's like he's making more of this weird little dog that he's obsessed with. That's the most perfect dog. It's not different. <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's not different. It's fucking strange, man. It's so strange to obsess over this little dog's balls. You know, like his mind is permanently fixated. They might as well be glands inside his fucking brain. So Masterpiece had over 300 offspring. Do you think if our testicles were in our brain instead of in our testicle sack, we'd think smarter? Uh, no, because our heads would be would be young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> and all you'd have to do is, then that is just the head. Oh, I just found an easier way to take out Dude, that just That just gave me the image. I'm sorry, everyone. That just gave me the image of when you sneeze, just cum comes out. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, do you need a tissue? Do you want a tissue? No, uh, no I got it. Ow. I got a sock. Uh, so, <laughs> Masterpiece... Would then go on to appear in ads for hosiery. Yeah, stocking ads. A lot of stocking ads, which is an interesting one. Ads for shoes, ads for drapery, and even what I think is the weirdest, ads for telephones. <laughs> Give him a call. As we bring out the telephone bit again. You can call up the is, that, dog. is this masterpiece? Um, Pulaski then claimed he even inspired the curly poodle cut hairstyle that women wore. Well, the dog was taken to Fashion Week, right? And was it was. Like all the fucking rage. Yeah, it Basically, people were like, "That's the new accessory." Yeah, because and with that, I would agree, I then I would agree because like poodle skirts, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is the nineteen thirties, forties. Poodle skirts, skirts. <laughs> that's a skirt and shorts. Um, it's what Mormons have to wear everywhere. Uh, no, but you know, like the poodle skirt. That's just a dog on a leash. That's a poodle yeah. on a leash. That's an accessory of a poodle. That had to have something to do with him. Yes. That had to have something to do with masterpiece. So that influence definitely was strong. You know. And so, uh, 
I from sorry not to. Oh, no, I'm you're sure good. you're about to get right into it, but uh, I know that a lot of celebrities wanted poodles because of the dog, right? Yes. Yeah, which I'll talk about here in a second. Yeah, we'll um, have to talk about at least one of them. His fame became so great that, according to the American Kennel Club, Pakistani Prince Ali Khan yeah. came to Palatsky and said, "Hey, I will give you twenty five thousand dollars, which." And today's money is about a quarter of a million dollars. Well, because his wife won it, right? Rita Hay- yep. Hayworth? Uh, Rita Hayworth. Rita, Rita is also, she plays a great role in um, The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Which is my favorite cameo in that whole movie. Um, but he scoffed at the offer. Well, yeah, dude. This dog is like fucking printing cash. And he's he's got like a pretty para-celebrity social relationship going on with mm-hmm. this dog, too. You know, like he's he's pimping this dog out. To the highest bidders, and a lot of those people are celebrities. The yeah. Paris Fashion Week thing, like he's getting a lot of like really big attention from people he wants attention from. But he did say, uh, "Thank you for the valuation of my beloved poodle." Yeah. So oh now, shit. Yeah, huh? Because he was like, "Oh yeah, that's what." Now somebody's proven that that's how much yep. the dog is worth. Now someone has told me that my poodle is worth twenty five thousand dollars, the equivalent of almost quarter million dollars. He's like, "I got the most valuable dog in the world." Spoiler alert! It comes back. Yeah, I would actually. That's so. That's what I was going to point out. Is I feel like it would be. I don't know that it would behoove you to tell everybody that you have the most expensive eight pound dog in the yeah. world. Eight pound nine inch dog, which is like <laughs> yeah. this big. Yeah, like put him in. Hey, get this dude in my water bottle. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that I would be telling the world that I got this dog worth that money. Now that being said, <clears throat> I won't go into it, but fencing. Uh, goods was a a concern when I was younger. And sometimes some shit isn't worth stealing because it's impossible to sell. Yeah. And this feels like one of those things. Like, we talked about Ruffo last week. Ruffo, that was the perfect fucking crime. Oh, yeah. Because he was taking loan money mm-hmm. and he disappeared with it. Like, that's the perfect way. This is a lot harder because when you ransom something, even when they ransom ShareGuard, now, slight spoiler for that because we're 40 minutes into this podcast, which means that you'll probably listen to another one. They, the IRA fucked up. Yeah. They shot the horse. They shot the horse. Uh, and they continued to try to ransom the horse anyway, but they ransomed him right away. And the point was to try to get money from him. So to tell people, hey, I've got this thing that could be worth a quarter of a million dollars in ransom. What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Your, your dog's probably going to get stolen. Well, that takes us to May 29th, <laughs> 1953. So imagine if you will. We're going back in time again, guys. We're going back in time. <laughs> So it is May 29, 1953. It's like any other day at Poodles, Inc. The dogs, including Masterpiece, are reclined on their cushions while a nightclub harpist provide background music. I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt your <laughs> lovely uh, script here, but did you just say harpist? I said nightclub harpist. <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck me, right? You fucking <laughs> idiot. It's not just a harpist. How dare you? Um, do you want to, do we know what the fuck that is? Is that, is that, Uh, do, should we just assume it is what it sounds like? Yep. They, they hired a person that played harp at a 1950s, like cigar lounge. Dude, bars in the fifties fucking suck. (laughs) I I like harp music just fine, but like, if you're going to play the harp, go to like a Meow Wolf installment and play a laser harp. That does not sound, that's like, that's not even. We bring up Star Wars incessantly on the show, but that's not even like cantina shit, you know? No, it's terrible. A uh, harp? That's, a harp? Would you fall asleep? That's fucking Canto Bite Club. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I, do you even, I want, I listen to a lot of disco and a lot of dance music. I have not once in my life heard a harp. Now I really wish I had. This is what I'm going to spend my whole fucking week looking for. I'm going to so, come back next week and be like, guys, I have a bunch of electro harp music suggestions. If you so, have any, please leave them in the comments. I know you don't, but if you do, hit me. Uh, Masterpiece was in town for an extended stay after modeling uh, Easter ensembles for a fashion show. He was, just, you know, he was letting his hair down. He was putting his feet up. Uh, shortly after 1 p.m., Pulaski gets a phone call. He's like, bring, 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 bring. He says, hello, Poodles, Inc. Oh, you got a beagle? You can fuck right off. <laughs> we only do poodles around here. No, it was his friend congratulating no, him. No, we don't sell parts. Uh, it was his friend congratulating him. Uh, on the fashion show. Hey, bro, heard you had a big dick. Have a great day. <laughs> and he was like, awesome. And he steps outside for a bit um, to take the call. He comes back in shortly after 1 p.m., about 1.15, and a group of customers come into the shop. And he's like, welcome to Poodle's Inc. I'm sure you're here for Masterpiece. And they're like, oh, fuck, we read it wrong. 
<laughs> we needed pool noodles. Um, <laughs> no. So uh, Palatsky is like, Masterpiece, come do some tricks. Tell these people that you're not a communist. <laughs> come tell these people you're not a communist. So he's like, hey, hey, Masterpiece. Radio silence. <laughs> so once again, he's like, our dogs are very obedient. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> Masterpiece. Still doesn't show up. So now he's worried. He's like, our dogs are super fucking obedient. This shouldn't be happening. And we don't put him in cages, so he's not stuck. So He's laying on his <laughs> green velvet hammock. <laughs> They're like... Uh, How's that not a sex thing? They they go looking all throughout the building. Masterpiece is gone. Uh-oh. <laughs> Masterpiece out. <laughs> uh, yeah, Masterpiece is nowhere to fu- uh, be found. He's not in the dog room. He's not in the basement. He's not in the dog room. Did you check the dog room? Fuck, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> so, they immediately call the police. Plus, he Gasp. gets on the phone. He says, 911, what's your emergency? Or, wait, shit. 911, what's your emergency? He says, Masterpiece is missing. He says, oh, my God, is this the museum? He goes, no, who would just refer to a piece of art as Masterpiece? I'm, of course, talking about my dog. Masterpiece. I would imagine in that situation, he definitely name-dropped himself. Yeah. It was like, they've they've stolen Pulaski's Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And the person was like, okay, buddy. Um, Again, we don't know what museum? mental illness is yet. but <laughs> We're pretty sure you got it. <laughs> yeah, We're going to pull a Christine Collins and put you to jail for being a nuisance. <laughs> yeah. You just won't shut up. And it's just take care of this kid. So he gets off the phone with the police. He's like, uh, guys, my dog's missing. And they're like, okay, uh, so put up flyers. And he's like, no, you don't, no, you don't understand. understand. Like the famous dog. And they're like, oh, fuck, you're rich. We didn't realize. We'll be right there. <laughs> so in the my weeks. My communist dog. In the weeks that followed, police across 13 states were notified. Jeez. And volunteers took to the streets of Manhattan to search What's the city. dog? All 13 of the original colonies put out a. <laughs> A search team. To try not to Maine. Find. Fuck Maine. It's not an original 13. No. Uh, <laughs> Maine's not a state for anybody who's been up there. It's just a boundary. Maine was made up by just, Stephen King. Yeah, it's a fictional place <laughs> made up by Stephen King. If you've ever been there, you haven't. That's Vermont. <laughs> and if everyone was kind of racist, that was Connecticut. Or New uh, Hampshire. Yeah, uh, or New Hampshire. I went to, uh, this is late in the podcast and we're getting, he's he's getting, he's missing. Uh, but I went to New Hampshire once. And we I, did it, guys. He's missing. That's the episode. Yeah. See you guys next week. I can tell you how many like uh, Confederate flags I saw, and I just wanted to be like, do you know which part of the Mason-Dixon you live on? But the Kentucky and me shut up and went about That's what like, we were doing. I went to uh, see the, what is it, Levi Coffin House? Yeah. The guy that's like notorious for hiding slaves, and like right across the street was a Confederate flag, and I was like, oh, this is, you don't understand. <laughs> No, this was the place they came, guys. Like this, <laughs> this was the place. No, so um, so fucking dogs missing. Dogs missing. Uh, Thirteen states have been notified. Volunteers are flooding the street to find masterpiece. Palatsky puts out an award, a reward. He says, "If you bring me my beloved poodle, I will give you money and a different poodle." <laughs> a little meme, the exchange meme. <laughs> Yeah, I like that he was down to give him a different poodle. Like, listen, hey dog, if you're looking to steal a poodle, I'll just give you a fucking poodle. Like, (laughs) and it was like, like originally they were planning to do either like a similar dog, a dog of similar or equal value, or money of similar or equal value, and they were like, no, that's not enough. This is the most important dog. (laughs) Okay, well, why don't we just give him both? You can have both. You can have the monetary value of a dog, and also you get a. What if you found it you didn't want the dog, and they were like, no, you. I mean, we had this planned out, man. I'm not. I got masterpiece back. I don't want two poodles. Plus, you're a thief. Deal with it. You have to have this dog now. <laughs> it's like imagine if you stole a car and someone's like, "Hey, that car means a lot to me. If you'll give it back, I'll give you like five k and a shittier car." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's fine, man. Hey, dude, if you could bring back my Corvette, I'll give you ten grand in this Honda Civic. Like, <laughs> just give it back to me. Uh, the Gotham Hosiery Company, the one that he did the ads for, yeah, put out. 3,500 lost dog flyers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and Palatsky took to the newspaper saying, stealing a dog like that is like stealing the Hope Diamond. He wouldn't download a poodle. <laughs> He's known around the world. No one can get away with it. Dude, could you imagine if at the end of ta- Titanic, instead of dropping the Hope Diamond into the ocean, she just dropped a fucking eight-pound <laughs> silver poodle? She's like, Jack, <laughs> I'll always love you, Jack. <laughs> and the documenters, are, the, the documentary crew are like, 
Did you just throw a fucking dog in the water? <laughs> I want to be clear. That is much worse than the Hope Diamond. So much worse. Uh, so, Palatsky being like, no one can get away with this. They got away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, dog's been missing, right? Like, it's never shown back up? Yep. Palatsky's precious poodle had vanished. Uh, the only clue in the dog's disappearance was a witness who was outside that told police that they saw an egg... <laughs> an egg man. And he had several drone robots. He had a big mustache. And he said, I will harness this poodle's power. <laughs> no, an elegant, dark-haired woman in a red coat leaving poodle's ink with a small gray dog at her heels. And he said the witness found it odd that the poodle didn't have a leash and was following so obediently. So, okay. so that brings us to theories. Yeah, so what happened to the dog? Was it stolen? If it wasn't stolen, what could have happened to it? Um, I mean, I guess we start with theft, right? Like, we got to start with Occam's razor. Yes. Carmen Sandiego stole this dog. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like Carmen Sandiego, doesn't it? Yeah. It's in the fucking Great Pyramid of Giza or the, the Great Wall of China. Man, a lot of that old shit's called the Great, isn't it? Yeah. The Great Masterpiece. We're yeah. going to call him the Great Masterpiece. Uh, no, so someone, first theory, someone stole this dog. Yeah. Who would it be and why? Well, so here's the my immediate thought with them stealing the dog is kind of what we just touched on, and that's ransom. Yes. The dog wasn't ransomed. No. He just disappeared, they looked for it, and nothing happened. Exactly, and... If you want to talk about no, it's the more most to, expensive dog in the world. So, yeah, why was there no ransom? Maybe it was like ShareGuard. Maybe, maybe they goofed it up. They're like, hey, you got that dog? And he's like, oh, it was in my back pocket. He said, where's this dog? <laughs> he takes a step back. He steps up. He's like, fuck. Oh, that just made me think of a story that I've definitely told not, you before. Not and I'm not telling podcast. it on the podcast. Brittany and Brian, if you're watching, <laughs> sugar. Um, so, that no ransom. Like, okay. Then why would someone steal the dog? I have three theories with someone stealing the dog. First one, Ali Khan hired someone to steal that dog. Yeah, he wanted Rita to get her dog. Yeah. And, and I mean, they've definitely got enough money. We've talked about that before with the DB7 snatching and a few other things. Like, in all likelihood, that missing DB7, the original one, the Spy Gear one, um, is probably in some Shah's garage in the Middle East. Yeah. And that's not a quality that wouldn't. That would have been absent during the 50s. That oh, definitely would have all. been possible then, too. They had enough money for that. That's a good... Yeah, I could definitely see that Con... Yeah. No ransom and keeping it hidden. You, Your wife wants this dog, but you don't want anyone to know that you have the dog. You wouldn't do a ransom because you're keeping it. That You stole the dog for a reason. My second theory, a little more nefarious, since it was kind of public and his biggest thing that he was an non-communist dog communist took him and killed him yeah that he was taken as like but that feels like such a QAnon, like yeah adrenochrome they turn that dog into adrenochrome and my thing with that too is if you're trying to make a point by stealing this anti-communist dog as the communist party it's not an anti-communist dog it's not an anti-communist dog and <laughs> if you're trying to make a point you would have killed it or you would have like shown that you killed it or you would have put something out. Do what they did with Mussolini, hang him from a gas station. Yeah, upside sh- stab down. him and yep. just drown him and put something in his butt. And give him the Gaddafi treatment. Yeah, stab him in the anus. It's going to be hard, though. He's such a little dog. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a little guy. You're going to have Three to Three-inch blade, that's a third of his body. <laughs> you have to use a little pocket knife <laughs> to stab him up. Little hot, Swiss little hot, little, those little hot dog things for over the fire. Little hot <laughs> the, dog forks. The thing that go on the end of corn. Yeah, the corn <laughs> cobbers. Man, this is brutal. Why are we discussing this? <laughs> yeah, I would have just stepped dog. on it. I would <laughs> Our eyes, like, slowly turn red. <laughs> Man, these uh, guys just talked about this so that at the end they could talk about killing a dog. Yeah, so how would you kill a dog? I mean, <laughs> potato gun. I'd put him in a potato gun. <laughs> turn to cinder. <laughs> <laughs> cinder. I wish we could end the podcast on that note. Uh, I know everybody just turned it off, but I wish that we could end it right there. Uh, no, so the dog goes missing. I mean, there. I agree with you that theft, while the most likely, if if Shaw Khan didn't have it stolen for Rita Hayworth, I don't know where that dog would be stolen, that it would be useful because it's not been fenced. It's not been, I mean, I guess maybe it has. And then the other thing that immediately occurs to me is that this dog was his whole life, his whole fucking life. It gets stolen. He does not stop breeding. He doesn't close the store and he wouldn't for nine more years. Yeah. And that had more to do with the popularity of the breed going out of style than it did with anything else. As a matter of fact, much like the Mona Lisa, when Masterpiece was stolen, an actual when an actual Masterpiece was stolen, I got a lot of beef with the Mona Lisa, uh, was stolen, uh, you know, it 
it made the idea of having a poodle a lot more attractive because yeah. for a long time it was just Masterpiece. Masterpiece was the poodle. That was that dog. So when Masterpiece was out of the picture, your dog could then possibly become the poodle. So yeah. it would become more attractive. Now, that being said, he could definitely make money off of that. He could have benefited from that. And I don't know that he would have that kind of foresight, but... What intrigues me about the investigation is for an animal that he allegedly loved as much as he did, he sure let sleeping dogs lie pretty quickly. See what you did there. Uh, But yeah, in the years that followed Masterpiece's disappearance, poodle mania gripped the upper class with movie stars like Elizabeth Taylor, Grace Kelly, and Catherine Hepburn showing off their dogs, making them the ultimate accessory for fashionable women. Yeah, so So like... This dude owns a shop that sells poodles and poodles exce- poodle accessories. <laughs> yeah, he's the Hank Hill. Hank Hill. He's a Hank Hill. I can't do it without doing it. He's the Hank Hill of of uh, poodles and poodles accessories. So you- does it does it look like I know what a JPEG is? I just want a picture of a curly haired hot dog. <laughs> I don't think it's turned into a TikTok sound. I really do. Uh, yeah, so I don't know, man. Like, it's weird. The idea that this dog was stolen kind of doesn't make any fucking sense because unless he was stolen specifically by Con for Hayworth, nobody else had a reason or, like, if they did steal this dog, they must have fucking stepped on it or something because they didn't get to the part where they were like, ransom, which is so, that's so embarrassing. Like, I mean, we talked about it during the Shergar episode because yep. the same thing happens. They get a fucking horse in a van and shoot it on accident right away. And they're just like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Because their whole plan goes up in fucking smoke. And could you imagine if you were like two, like if you're the fucking wet bandits and you're trying to steal this dog in the 1950s and you're like I, chasing it around and you chase it out the door and it goes running into fucking traffic and it just gets nailed by a Hudson or something. And you're just like, oh. Okay, we were never here. We got to go rob a store or something. We got to get the fuck out of here. I'm this imagining, is never what happened. I'm imagining uh, Pulp Fiction. They just steal a dog. They put it in the back of their car, and one guy's like, dude, I can't wait. <laughs> fuck, I shot the dog. <laughs> I shot the dog. I shot the dog. I shot the dog. I no, shot the dog. Uh, so theft is weird. Theft is weird. I don't think it's the thing. Because it just, there was no resolution. You steal stuff to, ha- to have the value of it. Yeah. You know? Palatsky making the dog disappear. I think he loved it too much, and I don't think he was smart enough to do that. Yeah, I so I think I I'm so cynical about business that I think that he could have easily been fiendish enough. Like greed makes you do terrible yeah. things. Well, he but, clearly stopped loving the dog and liked what the dog gave him more. Yeah, but what I will say is I do agree that I don't think he I don't realistically think you could have the foresight. In this situation, or in almost any situation, to see something like that coming. Yeah. He, while he definitely benefited from how popular poodles became, and he was an evangelical pusher of uh, the dog breed, I don't think he saw it as like, well, if my dog goes missing, my master plan will come together, and then everybody will need... No, I think you're right. I think he did love the dog. I Here's what I think happened. Yes. I think the dog walked out the door. I that's also what I I think, I think he hopped off his little bed. I think the I dog think he was like, followed a customer out, and sadly, I think that it's dog it could have been a pretzel, nine inch, eight pound dog <laughs> against Manhattan. I <laughs> think it almost immediately died. Dude, yeah, the the pizza rat's bigger than that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, unless he can live on a diet of cigarette butts and pizza grease, he's not gonna make it. And he's been pampered on this little pillow. <laughs> There's like someone watching right now. Please just do this for me. I'm sorry to interject. Can someone take the this is my favorite pizza place in New York and it's the Sabaro thing from uh, the office, but just put a gray poodle's head on top. (laughs) That's all I want. So I think I think it's very likely that the dog, the dog was under a tremendous amount of stress. The dog really didn't. And I'm not saying that the dog was like conscience of. Conscious enough of mind to be like, my life sucks. I'm getting out of here. But I think the dog was under a tremendous amount of stress. And I think it's believable to think that maybe the dog didn't leave on its own. Yeah. Yeah, because you said earlier that the dog had a handler, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it had a bodyguard and a handler. And their fucking Carmen Sandiego was seen leaving with the dog. Yeah. I... Carmen Sandiego very well could have been the handler in this case, especially in disguise and dark hair and a long jacket. That's an easy disguise, even in the 50s. So the idea that maybe the handler was like, dude, this dog gets treated like shit. This dog's life sucks. It lives in this cage. It doesn't do anything. This dude talks about how, because I would imagine like mines, right? So I would imagine that the handler he has for his personal pets 
probably sees pets the same way that he does. And the way that he sees pets is that they are to be afforded a lifestyle of comfort mm-hmm. and not asked to do things, not put towards utility. And then she sits around and watches this dog be that exact thing has happened to it. Yeah. You know, it's forced to do utility. It's forced to do these tricks. It's forced to be anti-communist. Not that that hurts the duck's feelings. But, you know, he trots it out at these dinner shows to do nothing more than sell other poodles and to make himself feel good. Mm-hmm. And I think in the process, you run the risk of, yeah, maybe alienating the person who takes care of that dog who actually spends all their time with it. And that dog, I could see that handler loving that dog so much that one day she was like, you know what? Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And that morning there was an opportunity and she was like, okay, I'm going to get you the fuck out of here. And then I'm going to pretend I have no idea what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, why else would the dog, the dogs were also, as he pointed out and as you pointed out, very, very obedient. Yes. So like the dog was less likely to follow a fucking stranger out that door. But if the handler was like, Hey, come on, let's go. And the dog will just follow him right down the street. I find that very believable. Yeah. I honestly, that I honestly think that, in some way, shape, or form, the dog just kind of got up and left. Whether it was with the handler or w- whether it was on his own, yeah, I think he just went and secretly lived a happier life. Or sadly, what if he became n- king of the sewers? New York got to him. What if they? What if the rats thought he was a rat? Yeah, and they were like, "Oh, mighty king rat!" And he just like lived. And then they all the locked show. their tails together and just spun yeah. as they do. That is a king rat. That's true. <laughs> God, it's fucking, what a disgusting, what, is that fighting mating? What is that? Uh, I think it's a defense mechanism. That's what my dad has said walking in my room as a teenage boy. Is that fighting? <laughs> is that mating? What the fuck are you doing? Is that honey mustard? What is <laughs> oh, that's my honey mustard. <laughs> that's, son, why do you have honey mustard in a tube sock? What are you doing? <laughs> Fighting, you ass. (laughs) It's fighting. (laughs) Get over here. God. Well, with that said, that's a real... Welcome to the end of the podcast, guys. (laughs) This is where things really go off the rails. Or is that trademarked by Ethan Klein? Uh, Yeah, so I don't know, man. What a wild story. I'm not sure, obviously, what happened to this dog. And with a story like this, it's tough because it's a dog. So yeah. the dog is definitely not currently around. If it is, that's a whole different fucking podcast episode that we kind of talk about. Masterpiece, the immortal dog? <laughs> yeah, he's fucking with Bill Gates these days. If you guys haven't been watching our new show, uh, Bill Gates decided this week that he's just not going to die. Yep. He's just not going to die. He said that we need to be a lot better about these preventative medicines. Too many people are dying. We should stop dying. That or he, uh, <laughs> Masterpiece, got hooked up to uh, the Live Forever uh, software yeah. that I talked about yeah. in this week's news. Absolutely. This is our shameless plug. Go watch our new show. We have a fucking ton of fun doing it. And we really do. And it's it's a lot faster than this, uh, and it's a lot easier. We don't spend 20 minutes talking about theoretical situations that could have happened to a dog breeder. Instead, we just spend 10 seconds making fun of him. Yeah, but if, whatever you guys think happened, by all means, leave it in the comments. This one's a weird one. It's a weird one for sure. Share it with your friends. I think this is a story that's not all that well-known. It's probably not going to do super well in the old algorithm, the searching algorithm, because who's going to search for this? Yeah. You know, it's not that well-known of a story. When you look into the, like, greater history ethos, you know, sometimes the or <laughs> ether, like the some of the stories we cover, you know, certain it's better covered in the in the greater media than this is this is a definitely a lesser known story but i think it's one of the more interesting ones and uh it speaks to kind of like the frivolous nature of of uh like dog breeding and yeah yeah because keep in mind all of this the popularity of this dog while it was certainly profound was still only for what like 20 years Mm -hmm. less than that probably yeah and they completely changed the dna of these animals for those things so also spay new to your pets uh adopt don't breed I yes. mean, we to be clear, we're definitely not animal breeding no, people. No, go to go to your local shelter. Go to your local shelter, dude. Adopt a what? Okay, this is where I'm going to yeah. give bad advice, I guess. But like, I, as Caleb is aware, uh, I like feral cats a lot, and I like feral animals. I feed a couple possums. I got a raccoon. Uh, I have a little heated pad where I feed them in my backyard, and I do that because I don't know why wouldn't I? I there's like it's totally cool to get a pet, and I love having a cat. But I have that cat because he was an animal that lived in my yard that needed to live inside instead. And I think it's cool to kind of, like, have that relationship with the... It's those. It's neat that I can, like, at night I can go out on the porch with the possums and they don't move. Yeah. They just hang out and they eat their little food and do possum things. Yeah. It's cute. It's a nice relationship they have. So, yeah, if you don't do that, obviously go to a shelter and adopt. But if you've got it, 
if you've got what it takes, just uh, get an outside pet. Yeah, just get a raccoon and bring him inside and see what happens. I, that's what we did in my family. Not a raccoon, but like we had a dog just randomly show up and we're like, do you want to live here now? And it was like, yeah. And then one day it was like, I don't want to live here anymore. And it just went away. <laughs> I had a, that's fantastic. My sister had this dog named Jake forever. And I think he showed up when he was a couple years old and he just walked into her kitchen one day. She was living in rural Idaho. Like there's a different kind. <laughs> and she had her back door open and he just walked in the kitchen and she was like, oh, hi. Mm-hmm. And he lived with her till he died? Yeah, yeah. He's just I live here now. Oh, okay. I mean, the cat, we were just mentioning, Onions, my cat. I mean, he came in the house because I heard this. I was editing this podcast. Well, not this podcast, obviously, but I was editing the pod- podcast. And I heard this, like, blood-curdling cat scream from under my porch. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Okay. So I went and opened the door. And I was like, if you're in danger, come inside. And, like, before I could finish it, he ran inside the house. And he won't leave now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, I think that's probably the best way to, I mean, that's how we originally made uh, relationships with animals, yeah. you know, and then plus you build a, I think you build a stronger trust than like if you force that animal to trust you its whole life. Yeah. If it, if you're all it knows for food, it's not quite the same win. Like the fact that my cat won't run out the front door now, not because he, for anything, he just doesn't fucking want to. Yeah. He prefers the He's life. seen he that has. out there. <laughs> He's like, no man, I'm good. I'm good. You see the bowl of wet food you give me four times a day. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. He's just, I, and I, that I feel like is a little bit more of a win than if I would have had him the whole time. Yeah. Where he has no idea idea what's out there no he's like fuck that there's cars and stuff no i'm in here now i don't i don't do outside well let us know what you guys think this was a really fun story and obviously we're big animal people so uh i wasn't anticipating doing two theft episodes this quick back to back normally we try to vary it up a little bit but this one was just so interesting and pet napping if anybody has any suggestions for some other animal napping stories especially the lesser known ones we'll happily uh, investigate them because or if you have pictures of your pet napping oh, dude, reach yeah. out with us too. yes please <laughs> by all means you got our our social media stuff uh in the description there leave leave us a picture of your pet napping i would love that by all means. But don't leave us a picture of you pet napping. Yeah, that's true. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> well, with that said, even though it feels like we've already done the riddle today, <laughs> I'm going to leave it to Caleb. I'm going to eat some candy and let him do riddle time. Yes, yeah, so last week's riddle was, I am the beginning of the end and the end of time and space. I'm essential to creation. I surround every place. What am I? Uh, two people reached out to me with the same incorrect answer. They guessed air slash oxygen. But it's not correct. You're overthinking it. It's the letter E. Ah. The beginning of end, end starts with an E. The end of time and space, they end with E. And every place, E on either side. Surrounded. Surrounded. Come out, we got you surrounded. This week's is admittedly a little more difficult. Um, this is the king well, riddle. I'm glad you're admitting it. 500 begins it, 500 ends it, 5 in the middle is seen. First of all figures, the first of all letters, take up their stations in between. Join all together, and you will bring before you the name an eminent king. Who am I? So it's a name. It's a name. It's a king's name. Well, an eminent king. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, leave your answers in the in the comments. That one's a tough one. By all means, feel free to rewind that. I'll I'll slow it down while he's saying it, so that or I'll put up like. Uh, this is where I tell Bunger I'm going to do something and I don't do it, and he calls me about it. <laughs> Bunger, don't ever fucking do that again. I swear to God, I'll slap the taste out of your mouth if you ever even think about dialing a phone in my direction again, okay? You hear me? You hear me? Don't ever fucking do it. Hmm? <laughs> He's going to be so sad. <laughs> All right, well, with that said, I'm going to eat this candy while Bunger cries. We love you guys, except for Bunger. We don't love Bunger, but we love everybody else. We'll see you next week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Bunger can't wait to see you in my room when you watch this episode. (laughs) We're standing over here tonight being like crying. (laughs) Bye.